0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Tech Techspansive. I am Sean Dubrovac from Avrio Institute.
1: And I'm Ross Rubin at Radical
0: Research. A lot of news this week. Ross, as we talked about in last week's episode, we said that we were moving into the, kind of the hardware announcement season and, and product announcement season, and uh, a, another week that did not disappoint. Uh, big announcements, a lot of announcements from Amazon this week. Uh, we also saw the acquisition of a major game publisher from uh, and, and by Microsoft, and then uh, a lot of continued conversation around app fairness and how the the platforms should behave and how they are behaving. So we'll we'll hit on that in closing. But first, let's uh, dive into all things Amazon. A- Amazon had uh, their big device launch event. Uh, they had a, a slew of new echo devices that they, uh, that they introduced, um, really trying to, you know, my, my sense is drive the, uh, Amazon Alexa feature into every possible room, making every price point, every feature set, of uh, av- available to consumers. Uh, we saw the launch of a, a new echo show 10, which will, uh, essentially follow you move to you. So uh, I. I could see that uh, having some really interesting applications maybe in the kitchen where you're kind of moving around and you want to see the recipe and so you want the the recipe to to move to you or maybe you're doing a cooking class uh, in Mm -hmm. the kitchen and so you want to be able to have that uh, pivot to you. So there's some interesting use cases there. We also saw that uh, Echo Show 10 will be getting Netflix. So maybe you'll just be watching Netflix while you're cooking in the kitchen.
1: I got to say that. Well, it doesn't necessarily surprise me that they got Netflix. I mean, they've had that on their other devices, but it's the assertion that people are watching so much long-form video on these devices, these 10-inch devices, uh, surprises me a little bit. Uh, Maybe people are treating them as more stationary substitutes for tablets. Uh, but, But I think that in general, this year's Amazon device uh, launch was uh, a little bit more focused on, I would say extension than expansion, you know, they took uh, many of the form factors that have been working well for them. They clearly brought them forward. uh, And with one, certainly one major exception, uh, in in the ring product category, uh, there was really less of this uh, experimentation in terms of new form factors, uh, things like rings and clocks and, and, and other Microwaves. things, so they, they kind of, exactly. Yeah. Great example. Uh, so, uh, they stuck, uh, you know, to the smart speaker, uh, and, and the smart display, uh, as, as you mentioned, Sean.
0: Yeah. And so, uh, as you noted, some of the uh, product announcements to really deviate from that theme, uh, showed up in the, in the, in the, uh, zoo, uh excuse me, in the ring area. Uh, we had a number of car products. We had the car cam, mm-hmm. the car alarm, the car connect, and uh, of course, uh, what probably got the most buzz uh, over the the, the <laughs> week and from the announcement was their in-home drone uh, setup. The always which, home cam. Yep, always yeah. home cam, which is a, uh, a essentially a home security, or at least positioned as a home security. Uh, device though, I can think of a lot of different uh, applications. When my my kids were young, I can uh, remember having to chase them to bed a hundred times, and maybe now <laughs> I can use a drone to do that. Um, to I like pets, I,
1: uh, when you're not home.
0: Yeah, I like yeah. the idea of of yeah. a drone being able. You know, sometimes I'll uh, I'll hear noises in the house and wondering if my kids are trying to uh, escape in the middle of the night to go visit girlfriends <laughs> or whatnot. So maybe now I'll just deploy the in-home drone to uh, ensure that they're in their beds uh, and in, in their rooms where they should be. So there's, uh, I could think of a lot of parenting, um, of, uh, applications. Clearly they, uh, a- Amazon has always bumped up against privacy and this is uh, another one of the products to, to bump up against privacy concerns.
1: Yeah. When, when you announce products like a self-flying drone, uh, and, uh, uh, screens that can, you know, follow you around the room. Um, it's it's kind of incumbent uh, upon a company to talk about its approach to privacy, and that was actually a big part of the announcement. Uh, Amazon announcing, for example, that you're soon going to be able to tell Alexa to delete everything you've said, ever said, uh, with uh, with one... Sweeping uh, phrase. Uh, it's going to be proactive about reviewing your privacy settings, uh, and um, you know it's, uh, it's it's doing things. To, it's encrypting uh, all the video uh, in in Ring uh, cameras, home cameras, and and you think about this this drone cam, um, and it it seems to raise a lot of eyebrows. But in some ways, it's it's kind of a more privacy friendly approach than having a bunch of stationary cameras uh, around your house looking internally 24 seven, you know, this is something that is deployed manually. It's deployed situationally. Uh, and uh, I think it, it may be an option for people who, who don't want cameras, uh, you know, also from a more practical perspective, because the drone is docked um, most of the time being charged, you don't have to worry about where you're going to mount the cameras, you know, or getting power to the cameras, which has been a big issue, uh, in, in the category over the years. So, well, um, and you,
0: you also know when it's off to your point, you know, so where sure. you, if you're deploying fixed cameras and you've got them deployed throughout the house, they're presumably kind of all, always in watch mode or record mode. And, and this, it, you, you know, when it's recording theoretically, because. Right the zooming past your, your uh, hallway or whatever. So. Right,
1: right, yes. And when it's stocked, the camera is physically blocked. So right. uh, also, also on the Echo 10, they put in a manual camera shutter uh, to, uh, to block the lens. So, you know, definitely uh, taking privacy into account.
0: Yeah, and if you look at a lot of those display, those kind of early voice-enabled display uh, devices, many of them left off the camera. We saw this with the original Google mm-hmm, Home. It yep. didn't have a camera. Right. So I, I think kind of an uh, you know, f- analog camera shutter will become a, a very default feature for some of these devices and people will be able to opt when they want cameras on and when they want cameras off. And that that's one of the challenges of living in an always remote environment like we do now, where we're always on camera and we're, we're always going to camera, you might want to have lots of cameras around, but you also want to be able to to uh, control those. Uh, as, as I alluded to, we saw a lot of really, I think pretty interesting announcements also happening outside of the home with all of the products that they're launching in the car. And this really drives the Ring product.
1: Into- um, pun intended, Sean? Yes, yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> drives the uh, the ring product into uh, lo- lots of other um, areas around security of your your vehicle. It can act as a dash cam as well as a um, a camera that takes advantage of what's happening inside the car. With the uh, car cam feature, it is uh, connected over four G and an LTE. You it's got Alexa built in, so if you get pulled over. You can say, Alexa, I've been pulled over. It'll immediately start recording. So you've got some of these like body cam equivalent type features yeah. that are being built in. So uh, some some interesting yeah, applications. An, 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 unf-
1: an unfortunate uh, sign of the times on yeah. uh, on that one, but uh, but yeah, I think the car. I mean, just just like Amazon has done a very good job building an ecosystem within the home, uh, with the Echo devices and the Ring devices, the car is is just another place where Apple and Google have focused very relatively narrowly, right? Right on that center LCD console, uh, which is you know home to either CarPlay or Android Auto, but they really haven't done a lot of integration. Uh, I mean, we may be starting down that road with things like being able to unlock the car with, with an iPhone, uh, for example, uh, or or a Samsung uh, device. They seem to be working on that as well. Uh, but, um, you know, but, but Amazon announced that um, uh, Tesla is going to be integrating uh, some of these Alexa car features and, Clearly, uh, Amazon hopes that they're but the first uh, to to do that. There are also a a lot of changes to Alexa uh, coming. Um, You know, being able to have much more natural dialogues, more inflection, being able to understand multiple speakers, having a conversation, talking over each other, trying to inch away from the need to issue that wake word uh, to get uh, Alexa's attention once it is in the conversation. Um so I you know in terms of the sort of natural voice or natural understanding capabilities of Alexa uh, it was probably the the biggest upgrade uh we've seen since the launch of Alexa.
0: Yeah it's trying to become more conversational and I think that will be Absolutely. a key aspect of of really making Alexa more than it is today allowing it to uh to fit into that uh, we also saw Amazon announce a series of chips that they're making specific yes. for Echo devices. That, also tied uh, to privacy. Yep, Yep. tied to privacy. Um, so interesting things there. And, and at the same time, we see them expanding on what they uh, think Sidewalk will be. Sidewalk, of course, is their... Uh, proprietary communication protocol to connect devices. They they announced this week that uh, Echo devices will essentially act as nodes. And by sharing a little bit of your bandwidth with others, it will allow you to um, essentially have access to connected devices outside of your home, but not on a, a telco network so uh, right. the the new car cam that they the, the new car alarm that they announced at sixty dollars will actually connect to sidewalk so it will be presumably connected if it has uh, bandwidth available to it by you know provided by other users. Um, and we've, we've seen some other interesting applications there. I, to me, one of the most interesting is their, uh, their dog collar, which will allow you to kind of find where your dog is in the neighborhood, presuming your neighbors are willing to share a little bandwidth with those, right. uh, those devices.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating idea. It's a uh, my understanding is it's a combination of kind of Bluetooth and nine hundred megahertz spectrum. Uh, it competes a bit with uh, an effort from a company called Helium, uh, which is using a standard called uh, LoRa WAN. Uh, and these are proposed standards for uh, getting the IoT devices basically uh, onto the networks to build neighborhood or metropolitan networks that are uh, not controlled uh, by the carriers. So uh, the helium scheme is, uh, is is a bit more uh, convoluted. You know, you have to buy an access point and then you get compensated in a kind of cryptocurrency for sharing the bandwidth. Uh, the, the Amazon model will probably make a lot more sense or be a lot easier uh, for people, uh, but um, uh, it's, it's, an, it's an exciting development uh, to create a network. That fills the gap between Wi-Fi and the cellular network.
0: Well, in the in the Amazon model, looks like they're trying to build off an altruistic uh, a- approach where you share bandwidth and others will share it with you. So it yeah. kind of re- relies on this, uh, you know, this be a good neighbor. They they really emphasized minimal bandwidth use. Sure. Uh, sure. Though you wonder if you have a lot of devices connected. That, uh, that are constantly in front of your home or passing through your home or your workplace, then it may be a little more bandwidth than you anticipate. Um, so, so we'll see how that goes. Um, in kind of other Amazon news, we also saw them launch the uh, a cloud gaming service called Luna. This will go live in October at uh, just under $6 a month. It's a kind of- to start. All you can eat subscription service, similar to, to start. yes, to, to start. <laughs> That's good. Good point, Ross. Um, it, it's easy to make lots of promises about a new service that hasn't launched yet, right?
1: Well, uh, you know, I mean, it, it seems very much in the model of Stadia, um, in that yeah. you have this cloud-connected or Wi-Fi-connected controller that connects directly to the cloud. Uh, and then whatever screen you're on, I'm sure there'll be some kind of code or something you you enter it and bam, you know you're playing on that screen. you don't need to worry about um, you know bluetooth or or whether the, or apps or anything like that uh, and um, and they claim that they can Get uh, better responsiveness than anyone else has been able to get uh, by leveraging uh, AWS uh, infrastructure. Uh, it's also, of course, heavily integrated with Twitch. I mean, mm-hmm. Amazon has been building up to this, uh, mm-hmm. has been assembling the components uh, to this for for so long. Um, and uh, and so uh, you know, the the other thing about it is the way they're getting around. Access to it on on iOS, which has been a, right. a sore point for stadia and uh, Microsoft's uh, game Pass uh with uh, with the project X Cloud, and that's by doing it in the browser so uh, I would um heavily you know expect I would strongly expect uh that that that's the approach that Microsoft and Google are are going to look at moving forward.
0: And it'll be interesting to see how, how Apple responds to this. If they do respond, how they how they will respond? I mean, certainly they're they're uh, would love to be in Cupertino while they're having the conversations about you know Amazon launching the service, kind of over top of the App Store through the browser, and uh, and how that works.
1: To me, it's it's kind of fascinating because you know there's a lot of discussion about why does Apple care so much about, you know, these streaming game services when, you know, they are fine with streaming video services, you know, not not having to uh, uh, get universally rated. And, and the answer I think is a semantic question around whether you're looking at video or using code, right? Um, and once you touch code, You know the the app store is they they have very strong feelings about that but really a lot of what these streaming gaming services really are is interactive video you know they're they're sending down video of gameplay and you're redirecting that video in real time using your controller so uh you know apple has had a a very hands-off approach via the web uh and if they you know protested uh these companies using the web, I, I think it would uh, it would be very challenging for them to justify that based on their past uh, behaviors. So,
0: I think it might be challenging for them. I would argue the difference is that uh, Apple hasn't historically been in the video market. Now that's changing, but they they have arguably been at least I- embedded in the gaming in- environment from mm-hmm. the very beginning, from, mm-hmm. from when App Speak became monetized the app store you know was, was brought to be a a, a platform they right. uh, they started to be in that space because that's how we were using the iphone early on was primarily for games you were using the mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. the, the accelerometer and the gyroscope and other features for right. games now obviously that the things we're doing on the phone have expanded significantly but but you've always they always had a, a vested interest in having developers find success on the platform because they were capturing the 30% from those developers. And then now of course they have their own, uh, their own marketplace that they're developing in, in form of, uh, arcade. And so I think it's a little different in their minds in that they have a very vested interest. And what we have seen time and again, is that when these companies have vested interest in that marketplace, uh, they create barriers to entry to, to try to at least somewhat stymie competitors from uh, entering right next to their own offerings
1: right but you know now is a a challenging time to navigate that uh given the scrutiny that that we're seeing in in washington it's kind of fascinating to see today two stories um indicating kind of opposite directions for google which has historically been a little more lax about enforcing these kinds of regulations and apple which has historically been uh more aggressive about it uh google moving to uh you know be, be more uh, be more conscientious about enforcing rules about using their payment systems for in-app purchases while apple allowing facebook to uh, use its own payment system for events at least until the end of the year so uh, i don't know if we can consider this a trial or an exception uh, but um, i think long term it raises <clears throat> Some really interesting questions uh, about uh, what people can do on the web, and you know, the development of basically virtual operating systems being brought down to the phone via, via the web. So it's a it's it's a long term question because if you can do games, right, these these high performance games uh, in, in the cloud, and do that through a browser. Uh, why can't you do Uber? You know, why can't you do uh, ninety ninety percent of what what you do on a phone today?
0: Well, and arguably, you already can do some of that on a phone. Uh, you know, one of the the features of an Uber is that it's using information specific to the device, specifically your lo- right. your location. Right. They, so-
1: they they could block they could block access to some of that stuff, and and there has been some some good discussion about them. Not buying into certain features of what are called progressive web apps that could give access to hardware specific features so
0: yeah. yeah and 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 that would make it uh you know more difficult I mean in the progressive web app environment, you'll essentially be able to download a launcher that will look like an app and exactly. behave like an app icon, uh, but if it doesn't have seamless integration with some of the hardware features, then I think it does limit. The, the full functionality of some of these services on, on the device. I would argue that uh, you, that location information ended up being very pertinent for a lot of services that have found great success in the mobile environment and, and never really arguably even existed before the mobile environment. Uh, now, that probably hasn't been as influential with things like games, and so maybe uh, you a know, progressive web app approach works, but it, it, I don't know that it would work for some of these other uh, you know services where where location yeah. is key yeah it's certainly not a tomorrow thing, yeah but
1: but I think it's a long term thing to watch
0: well and and related news to that we did see uh, this week that a number of companies joined together in order to uh, to continue to um, combat the uh, perceived evil uh, and the perceived wrongs. Uh, that these platforms are, uh, you know, that these platforms are, um, uh, or at least the power that these platforms control. We saw a, a number of companies this week join to create what is being called the Coalition for App Fairness. It's a nonprofit registered, of course, here in Washington D.C., where all nonprofits seem to be uh, seem to come home to. Uh, the The companies involved won't, won't be a surprise to anyone listening to the podcast. It's uh, Epic Games, maker of Fortnite, which is in uh, currently in a very large battle with Apple over the, the, the their thirty percent share and uh, the in app game purchases. Uh, Spotify Technologies, which has also been a, a vocal critic of what's happening and, and has been involved in uh, similar lawsuits. And then uh, Tinder Owner Match Group Inc., which uh, probably surprises me just a little bit because uh, while I'm not that familiar with the platform, I don't know that there's a lot of necessarily in-app purchases that are that are taking place. Maybe there are for some more exclusive features or, or, or other things, but... Um, it would seem like you know a lot of it is being driven by advertisements, which presumably don't fall within that thirty percent slice. I,
1: I have heard. You know, I'm I'm not in the target market, <laughs> but I, I have heard there there is a lot of upselling uh, that that you know you you can spend a lot of money. Uh, there are many requests to spend extra money on those platforms sure. for for things like feature profiles or what have you. So,
0: yeah, and and that must all fall within that thirty uh, percent cut. Mm-hmm. So, so there is a big battle brewing and that has been brewing for a long time, continues to brew around these, uh, the gatekeepers of platforms and how they uh, wield their power and and ultimately take their cut. Uh, So we'll likely see more from there.
1: So what, what, what do you think Sean, based on the uh, sort of regulatory temperature down, down there in the beltway?
0: Well, I think obviously nothing's going to happen in the near term. This Mm -hmm. close to an election, everybody is uh, extremely focused on, uh, you know, the outcome of what will happen in 40 days or the next 40 or or so days. Uh, That's where all the focus is right now in in D.C. Um, Obviously, also with... uh, a Supreme court appointment. That seems to be where the focus is. So I think some of the focus around this is, is coming off, but I think um, moving forward or the next year, this will be a big, this will be a big continue to be a big theme. It already arguably is a big theme, but it will be a big theme around what constitutes a platform and what powers can they, uh, they, can they hold? And this is going to show up in lots of different ways. I think what we've seen in the past is, Companies have tried to use antitrust, and, and the government has tried to use antitrust regulations to to tr- set boundaries. I think we're going to see it move beyond antitrust hmm. um, typical rules and regulations in order to really hone in on and, and fine tune how they address what companies are allowed to do. Uh, you know, when you look at Amazon, the big issue is they sell products next to their arguably, uh, yeah, compete right against their own own suppliers.
1: Yeah, but that, you know, that to me is, you know, Sean, as anyone who's followed retail, I mean, you know that they're just doing that on a greater scale than brick and mortar, you know, retailers have done for years. Um, Walmart, uh, Best Buy with its Insignia brands. And um, so, you know, they they just have a lot more data. That's the only difference. And and I think the, the other interesting thing is that while it seems that, more companies are joining the, uh, you know, piling onto the list of grievances regarding Apple, it seemed that, uh, you know, everything we've been hearing over the past month has been that the DOJ and and maybe some of the uh, state district attorneys uh, have been progressing toward moving against Google uh, for monopoly and search. So uh, I think it would be, you know, to your point, from an attention bandwidth uh, perspective, it, it, it would seem... Uh, unlikely that uh, there, there would be a lot of regulatory focus on Apple while they're also, you know, trying to pursue this thing against Google, which to me, you know, sounds like a huge initiative from, from everything I've read, you know, that they're just trying to amass all of this evidence and data. So,
0: yeah, and what it, yeah. and it arguably could play out at the state level. And then, mm-hmm. you know, my sense is that this does become a Supreme Court issue in, you know, several years in it, right. it, e- epic sued apple in uh california and so uh and then apple of course counter sued so that's working its way through uh the you know the, the federal circuit there and arguably will if they appeal if either party continues to appeal that then uh that could work its way up to the supreme court and we could have a, a ruling there that will uh dictate what what ultimately is fair under the current law and, and to your point at the federal government will be the one that will then need to be the arbiter of what's, what should the law say, what should be fair under the law. So
1: I'm guessing, uh, my, my guess, just, just, you know, total guess is that we'd see a settlement, uh, before we'd reached that point.
0: Yeah, so, I think we'll I, see. yeah, I think yeah. that's, that's right. Um, I mean, you know, and it took somebody like Epic to bring this type of lawsuit against Apple. And that's, I think that's one of the great challenges in this marketplace is who's going to sue Apple in, you know, in, in court. I mean, who is going to take that on only one of the, the most successful game developers of, of all time really. Mm -hmm. And and Mm -hmm. has one of the most important games in the marketplace can, can dare take that on. So, um.
1: Do you think? Do you think? Uh, I, I was thinking a little bit about this with the launch of Luna. Uh, do you think we're kind of reaching some kind of ecosystem detente, where as more of these companies launch more services, there's less, uh, there's there's more, uh, there's, there's more um, motivation for them to lower the barriers to be on each other's platforms. I mean, we've definitely seen it with Apple reaching out to Amazon and, and Alexa. Uh, we've seen a little bit of it, I'd say, between Google and Amazon, although there's still, you know, a lot of friction there.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I think the the struggle is if you look at these game platforms specifically, uh, they they see a high return on investment mm, mm, for mm. the blockbuster games. So you want to have your blockbuster games – on the platform. I mean look, Microsoft paid 2.5, you know, billion for just uh Minecraft, right? And and arguably that was a a good investment, oh, and, they,
1: you know, this week Bethesda That's uh, right. They paid yeah, 7.5 yeah,
0: yeah. billion for Bethesda. Uh, now what's interesting is Bethesda already has some titles that are slated to be exclusives for for PlayStation. So right. Microsoft at least for now has has agreed to honor that, but Microsoft will be launching games exclusively on PlayStation. It's kind of a funny world where that, (laughs) uh, that happens and that exists. Uh, I think moving forward, they're going to want to have those exclusively available on the, the, um, the, in the, you know, game pass subscription model available on Xbox to drive people to that, that platform. Now, Arguably, if, if the story is no longer hardware and it's just about having them within the the bundle and having them within that subscription model, then you want that subscription. What we've seen in the Apple model is you want that su- subscription everywhere, right? You want it to be right. on iPhone. You want it to be in the PS5. You want it to be on the Xbox. You want it to be on Stadia and, and everywhere else. So because it's the games that people are coming to play, not necessarily the, the hardware. I think that is true. I think we've seen it now with... Uh, you know, with Microsoft bringing two two models to market, right? A, a, a higher performance model, and then, a, if you will, a, a lower performance model, though still high relative to to the current series. And uh, it's less about the hardware and, and more about the games now. I would argue that wasn't the case in earlier iterations. It was about bringing hardware to market that made new game experiences possible. Uh, it it doesn't feel like that's as, as much the narrative today it's about the the games that are available
1: and sure and and sony i think charging 70 dollars uh, a game uh you right. know it doesn't take long with those prices before you're spending at least as much on the games as you've you've per- you know spent on the console hardware even if it's high end console hardware uh, so um you know, I, I wonder if it's just that it's becoming more of a hit-driven industry, and so they know that there are a few titles that consumers are have a high likelihood of obtaining, uh, and so the, the idea is to extract as much value as, as they can out of that.
0: So. Well, and they've shown that the you know if you could make a really popular game exclusive, and then you could monetize it through in-app purchases or in-game purchases. I mean, that's definitely the Fortnite model. Their their success has all been driven by uh, a, a crazy amount of in-game purchases. So, uh, could you get exclusives in the Luna A model or in the the Game Pass Ultimate subscription bundle, and then? Uh, and then monetize it beyond that through in-game purchases. And and maybe there's a split there, and these become platforms, so there's a split there between the developer and the game subscription provider.
1: And, and, you know, if you're pricing your downloadable titles at $70, what you're actually doing is making a stronger case for the value Uh, of of subscription. Yeah. Right. Um, it's, it's funny, you know, we, we've spoken many times about the competition among media, uh, in the podcast and the competition for time, but you know, it's now gotten to the point where, and I think we got to this point with video some time ago, if all you did all day long was play video games, you know, you, you would still, uh, struggle, you know, to, uh, uh to you know try to take advantage of of a fraction of of what's going to be available out there so yeah i
0: mean stadia yeah. google stadia is arguably criticized as, as having the, the least robust uh, uh offering and they've got 90 plus games in there you know on their and their <laughs> right. So, right right your point you could you could play forever uh and, and never get to the end but um so you know i i think it the focus moving forward will really be around getting exclusive games onto your subscription model. I mean, Microsoft has moved up the number of in-house Xbox game developers from 15 to 23, so they're really trying to build mm-hmm. out this world of exclusive games on our platform. And, and you
1: mean you mean development firms? Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, not, not, not people, you're right. No, no, development yeah, studios. Yeah.
0: Right, uh, right, development uh, and, studios. And so you're really trying to... Um, uh, you know, you're really trying to get the get the next fortnight to be born and live exclusively within your subscription model, and then you can right. lower that subscription price to something very low. I mean, arguably, Luna at six dollars a month just to start uh, is uh, you know you you multiply that times twelve, and you're looking at the the price of what one game would cost. Sure. On some of these other platforms, and so you get you get full access to a lot of different things. So, uh, so we'll see what comes there. Uh, any f- closing remarks that you would add, Ross? Probably. Yeah, I, I
1: think we covered uh, all the ground uh, we wanted to cover this week.
0: Good, good, good place to end. A lot of news this week. Uh, as we said last week, we'll say it again this week, more to come. We've got a lot of uh, hardware and, and service announcements yet to come. We'll have more for you next week here at uh, Tech Spansive. Again, I'm Sean Dubrevac. You can find me on Twitter at Sean Dubrovac. And I'm Ross Rubin. You can find me on Twitter at Ross Rubin. And we'll see you next week for a new episode of Techspansive.